It's time for the Zookeeper Roadmap Podcast, where Joseph and Sheldon teach you everything they're learning on becoming zookeepers and answer any questions any future zookeepers or marine mammal trainers have. And now, here are your hosts, Joseph and Sheldon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Zookeeper Roadmap podcast. I'm your host, Joseph, along with Sheldon. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about diversity. And we have a special guest to help us talk about diversity and how he got into the zookeeping field. So let's buckle up. It's time for another episode of the Zookeeper Roadmap podcast. So diversity, interesting topic and a very serious topic. I think it's definitely a big thing to have diversity. What do you think, Sheldon? Uh, yes, absolutely. So what we're talking about is diversity within like the zoo and aquarium field is what we mean. So um, just had a great interview recently. And we definitely were talking about diversity. I think that's an interesting topic to bring up um, in the zoo and the aquarium field. So if you have, or you probably already know or not though, diversity is something that we're starting to see a lot more of in zoos and aquariums, but you gotta imagine back then it wasn't really a big thing for sure. Um, Joseph can definitely explain that a bit more as well. And I'll chime in in a second. Yes, so in the zoo world what are the what is the main ethnic background or race that you're gonna see well predominantly as you know um usually caucasian females are predominantly who you're gonna see in the in the work field um i know way back in the like a couple hundred years ago when they first started to keep as most caucasian men were doing that job and now i believe most caucasian females are doing that job but we are starting to see more of a transition to um, other ethnic groups other races starting to come into the field and that is something that's really cool and really important i think uh, for the future people starting careers or have a career in the zoo keeping the aquarium field um my myself if you guys do not know i'm african-american and yes i'm a zookeeper at bush gardens and that's something i am very proud of doing but it's also something I've learned to help be a representative of um, the African-American community in the zookeeping world. Um, there's not that many people that look like me in zookeeping worlds, and that is understandable. Um, there's a couple of factors to that. Um, a big factor could be interest. Um, not everyone in African-American communities might be interested in taking care of animals. Um, as you know, the pay is not always the most affordable living condition pay, but it's more about the passion for wildlife. Mothers can't really have an opportunity to work with animals and opportunities to take internships or move across country to work in facilities with these cool animals. And what I've learned recently is some of them have never seen an African-American keeper or Aquarius, so they didn't even think they could even have a job like that. So that's something we're seeing a lot of other communities. Um, the Asian community is definitely expanding. People in Hispanic heritage, um, all different type of heritage are now coming into the zoo community world. Um, there's definitely a lot of that coming on. 
Um, I myself have seen a lot more people coming up to me, um, younger generations coming up and saying, hey, it's so good to see someone of color or African American um, descent in the Zucuban world. That's really inspiring. I would love to do that, or my kid wants to do that. Uh, my little nieces and want to be zookeepers now, and they've seen their big older cousin working as a zookeeper. So that's something really cool, and I think is really impressive. Um, those articles I've been seeing more of out there of how more zoos are trying to push for more diversity um, in the zookeeping world, um, multi-gender. Uh, um, most zoos, like I said, are predominantly females. We're seeing a lot more men coming into the zookeeping world as well, not just of race, just of gender. That is also something that is being pushed um, in most zoos, most aquariums that I'm seeing now, that there's definitely more of a push for that, um, for sure. Yes, and I definitely think it's a good thing to have both male and female in there in different races because it's also good to note that not only men can do the job, but women too. So don't just rely on one gender because multiple genders can do the job. Yes, exactly. Multiple genders and new ideas. Um, bringing in new people, new ideas, and new perspectives really helps bring out like a new way of thinking. It helps grow more diversity, like we said. Having new stuff, new ideas makes better teams, maybe better training, better future programs, all type of stuff like that. Um, I know there is a website, I can mention it or Joseph can mention it, that is expanding on this community more often. Uh, Joseph, do you want to take the reins? Or I can take the reins on that one. <laughs> now, also, a quick thing I do want to add is um, with the different backgrounds and all that, uh, what do you mean, like, by different ideas? Like, do you mean, like, what you learned in school? Or, like, what kind of backgrounds are you also seeing? So I'm seeing a lot more perspectives on thinking. So um, a really good example is recently in our zoo, in my job, we have like, we have five new people, including myself, and a team of zookeepers. So with these five younger people, they're changing up how we do like training, different behaviors, how we work with the animals, new enrichment ideas, also new plans like how to make habitats better. So those kind of fresh ideas, because it's always good to good to get to see a new set of eyes. Um, we're seeing people from other communities, like from the SeaWorld community coming to the zoo field, talking about how they train whales and dolphins and using that with different animals. And some of it's really similar, some of it's very different. Um, I myself is learning new ways to interact with animals that I didn't even think of doing, and we're always constantly learning. So I think that's enough like new perspectives. So like new ideas on how to train, make the day work better, um, how as a team you can work with someone, just new things like that. And also seeing like different backgrounds, like different degrees. Like if someone has a degree in marketing, you know, they can make a way to market how to advertise for a new behind the scenes animal tour or something, or a new experience where guests get to, you know, meet an animal, learn about an animal in a different way. Or someone who's really creative. Uh, we have one zookeeper, she's really good at doing pictures and art, and she makes really cool pictures and designs that we put on the habitats and animals for like their birthdays or celebration. And it's really cool 
way to get the guests engaged, let them see different things, and she gets to show off her artistic abilities. Anita's a zookeeper, so stuff like that. That's really cool. And I think it's definitely important to have all kinds of different backgrounds, not just one set background on having a set degree. There can be multiple degrees. A uh, very good point. A very, very good point. So a lot of people think or have thought back in the day that to be a zookeeper, you had to have like a zoological degree or to be a dolphin trainer, to be a marine biologist. And that can help. But as I think a lot of us are seeing now that a lot more places are accepting different degrees. So good example, I myself, I have a degree in communication and sign language. And I'm a zookeeper and that's probably pretty strange, but I use that to help um, with my daily work. So I'm um, a zookeeper. We do a lot and lots of keeper chats and talk to the public. Being good at communicating to guests or to the animals is an important part of my job. So that's something I practice. Um, I do have guests that come through bush gardens and some of them are deaf or hard of hearing. So that means they use sign language to communicate. So by communicating with them with sign language, it helps connect the guests, make them feel more welcome. Um, so being bilingual in different languages, that really helps out. I'm obviously the Spanish community, a lot of people speak Spanish now. So knowing some Spanish doesn't hurt. Um, being a scientist, having science degrees helps. Um, with diet and nutrition, studying that. Business majors, there's all different types of majors. Uh, psychology, as Joseph is in, psychology is a big major because learning about cognitive behavior, positive enforcement, that pretty much goes hand to hand with doing animal training, especially conditioning and new behavior, anything on a daily um, animal care husbandry list, as you guys know, that's important with psychology. So different degrees is also different type of diversity you can mention about that coming into the animal field because, again, that's important. That's something new, and it helps that something new. You don't want to do the same boring thing, you know, every single day. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, as Sheldon mentioned, I am going for my psychology degree, and I have, and I'm currently taking two classes. One of them is cognitive psychology, and there will be some animal cognition mentioned in there, so that will definitely be a plus for me to hear. Uh, heck yeah, it's going to be a plus. <laughs> As we all know, college ain't no joke, but once you know you do it, it helps you out, makes it more marketable. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, if you're, like I said, pursuing a career in zoo and aquarium or thinking about it, you know, your degree is important, but a lot of people have taught me and I told people, it's all about your experience. People want to know what you can do. So, like I said, I have a degree in, you know, communication sign language, but I've done five years of work at the aquarium with animals. I've done some internships at Zoo Tampa with different species. So that helped me out get the um, job. But again, it's it's competitive. There's a lot of people going for the same job you want. I mean, working with animals, it's pretty cool, but it's a lot of work, but a lot of people want to get it. And that's, you know, goes back into the diversity thing is, you know, getting new, different people, different backgrounds, different stuff into that community can help it grow. Um, as you know, as everything evolves and the future evolves, 
there's new stuff, new technology, new things are coming up, everything's going digital, having new perspectives on how to make things better is always a good thing. There's nothing wrong with a fresh start. Exactly. Now, Sheldon, can you help mm -hmm. me mention that website that talks about diversity and all that in the zookeeping world? For sure, for sure. So uh, what we are going to do is give a little shout out to a special website. I'm about to get my notes. I forgot to rehearse. <laughs> I know. I'm so like over here frantically looking for it. It's okay. So what Always we're going to be, be talking prepared, about. too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the group is mentioned, we're going to mention, is the Association of Minority Zoo and Aquarium Professionals. Um, again, that's Association of Minority Zoo and Aquarium Professionals. Um, AMZAP. AMZAP. A-M-Z-A-P-E. You want to be fancy. And this it is a group will also be yeah. mentioned later in the episode with our special guest. For sure. Um, but yes, this is a group, um, this organization helps with um, diversity, minorities in zoos and aquariums. Um, they give shout outs. Uh, if you want more information, we can leave a link in our description later on when this is posted. Um, but pretty much you can either have a mentor or be a mentor for somebody coming to the zoo and aquarium field that is of African-American, Asian, Hispanic, any of those type of um, groups. Um, it highlights people from all over the United States from many different zoos and aquariums. And that is really cool. Um, there's a lot of information on their website. You can email them. You can even join and become a member if you like. And you don't have to be, you know, a certain race. I, it is open to anybody. And I think it's something really cool to bring that community together, again, with diversity. Um, you know, you can't have everyone the same. It's good to have different things. Make it, you know, make it fun, make it unique. But definitely check out that website. Again, that is the association of minorities. Oh, Lord. That's what happens when you get tired. <laughs> get AMZAPS, yes. The Association of Minorities, Minority Zoo and Aquarium Professionals. You're going to look into that. Again, there'll be a link in the description on when this is uploaded. Yes, I will definitely put that link. And I have signed up to be a member. I'm still waiting on hearing back same and also shout out to the website but hey if you're listening we are waiting <laughs> yes shout out to though. amzap we are waiting still so but yes shout out to them and shout and out also, to the work they do yes and also shout out to the Smithsonian National Zoo uh, I know there was an also an article um, I'm not sure of the man on it but he was talking about how he was looking for more diversity in zoos and aquariums in Washington, where he's at. So there's a couple articles that definitely take a look. We can put those links up. And if you are someone who's in the minority, feels like, you know, your chances are slim into zoos and aquariums, you know, definitely look into this stuff. It might give you some encouragement, find you a mentor, a mentee. Um, me and Joseph are also open to help with mentorship. We're helping each other. And we're all learning from each other to get into the community. It's it's tough, but it's cool. That's why it's a, it's a road, it's a journey. You need a roadmap. You got to get there. <laughs> I'll definitely be interested to hear about this Smithsonian article. Uh, yes, absolutely. It was posted, I think, a couple of years ago. I could be wrong, but pretty much um, this man was at his was working. I believe he's either head of the zoo or someone really important. I apologize. I need to look it back up. 
But basically the story was that someone came up to him and thought he was a custodian and he wasn't. And that kind of really brought attention to him. Like, you know, there isn't much diversity in the zookeeper world. Um, many of you guys know you go to some big theme parks, some zoos and aquariums, the people who are usually cleaning or in the kitchen, working on the kitchen area, um, those are important jobs, but most of them are usually minority. Not saying all of them are, but a good majority of them could be that. So that's the thing about the diversity thing, like bringing more people into other fields. Um, I know in Bush Gardens, myself, I know for sure, um, I am one of the only African-American zookeepers in the zoological department that I know of. Um, so that's also a big thing to think about. Um, most people that do work at Bush Gardens, usually that look like me, usually I work in the rides, the culinary, um, custodial. And then again, those are important jobs. I'm not downplaying that's a bad job to have. Those are really important jobs. Those guys work really hard every single day. I see them busting it and they work harder than probably anybody does in the theme park, keeping things clean and make sure everyone's fed and happy. But it is, it'd be cool to see different things. And I'm sure in the future, it'll probably be more diverse and more things will be changing, more interest levels will be coming. Um, for sure, that'll be a thing probably coming soon. I'm, Lord knows when, but soon. <laughs> yes. Anything else we want to talk about before we introduce our special guest and hear from him and what he has to say? No, I think that's about it. I think I've been running my mouth long enough. <laughs> but yes, we'll definitely end the episode here and end with this special interview coming up. Hope you guys enjoy. And again, if you guys still want to ask us any questions, want a bit more, or just want to chat, feel free to, you know, contact us. If any questions more about the um, website article, like I said, we'll have descriptions of, descriptions of those up very soon when the episode's up. Yes. So anyways, here is the interview I did with Dr. Grace Stafford from the World Wildlife Zoo in Arizona. So Joseph and Gray, take it away. Good morning, Gray. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Joseph. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So uh, my podcast is about helping the next generation get to zookeeping. So uh, what advice could you give to any future zookeepers? And how did you start in the zookeeping field? Uh, those are two great questions. Um, my, my first response would be to surround yourself with, with good quality people, mentors. Um, and that doesn't always mean the, the person does everything right, is a great manager. Sometimes we, we learn the best lessons in life from people who, who aren't the best managers. Uh, we learn what not to do when we get that opportunity later in our career. So um, I'm very grateful for the, the, the many people who have helped me along my pathway uh, from the very beginning, uh, people who took a chance on me and and taught me a great deal about operant conditioning, basic husbandry, uh, showmanship skills on stage, uh, all the above. Um, everyone can learn from uh, all kinds of sources, and and I certainly uh, benefited from that. Um, so I would just encourage people thinking about a career in, in the zoo profession to to introduce themselves at meetings. Um, 
create posters, go to internships, whatever you can do to get yourself noticed, but also to begin those conversations with people who are already doing the work that you think you want to do and learn from them. And uh, you never know what a kind word or a, a quick recommendation or acknowledgement of someone's uh, interest can do for your own career in getting those first opportunities. Uh, uh, to this day, I have had people uh, offer me opportunities uh, on, on some of the strangest chance occurrences, but uh, it, uh, it does work, it does help, and it is a building process. And then how did you get into the zookeeping uh, field? Like what, what steps yeah. did you take? <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of atypical in my, my career path because uh, I was going to be an oceanographer and physical oceanography uh, at Scripps Institute of Oceanography. And uh, I got to that level of school, had an internship or research assistantship, I should say, and realized that I was in the wrong program. And so I, I bailed out of graduate school the first time went back to Ohio and kind of meandered around for a year or two. And one day my then fiance, now my wife of 30 plus years, we went to SeaWorld of Ohio, which is where I grew up. I grew up in Cleveland, in the Cleveland area. And so I knew of SeaWorld from a young boy, but I had only gone a few times throughout my life because I figured every big city had its own SeaWorld. And I didn't know growing up that it was such a treasure in my own backyard. But, uh, one summer day, my wife and I uh, went to SeaWorld. We watched uh, a trainer, a killer whale, and a bottlenose dolphin all doing a water ballet together. And I was just floored by that because uh, here you have three apex predators working together in cooperation. And that, that changed everything. So I, I did what a lot of young kids, even though I was 24, what a lot of young people do. They go up to the trainer after the show and say, what's it take to become a trainer? And and he told me, and, and a few months later, that same gentleman actually uh, interviewed me and offered me a job. So uh, I was very fortunate to, to fall into that position at a time when uh, animal training in the, in the zoo setting was really starting to cut its teeth on being more scientific. Uh, historically, I think uh, some of the training principles, while well-established by people like B.F. Skinner, they were still kind of viewed with suspicion by the larger zoo community, you know, we're training animals to do tricks. You still even hear people talk about it in that sense today. But my first boss, uh, who is still a good friend, um, he really tried to push the scientific principles in animal training and really kind of add some uh, rigor to our profession, he and others, of course. And so because I had a science background as an undergraduate and published my undergraduate research, I think he, he thought I'd be a good fit for the department. So that's how I got started. Um, but I, I was a late bloomer, really, because I was in my mid-20s when I started animal training. That sounds like how a lot of us try to get started. And then we're like, oh, wait, now we want to go into the terrestrial field of zookeeping. So Sure. I think that's cool. Well, and, and that, that certainly has been a case for me. I started as a marine mammal person, but then halfway through my career, I ended up uh, managing an education collection, which was small mammals, reptiles, free flight birds, that sort of thing. And the only thing I could take with me in terms of experience was my knowledge of opera conditioning. 
and training animals, uh, much larger animals typically. And the great thing is you can trust the science and trust the art of animal training because it doesn't matter the species you're working with, the principles all apply. Obviously animals can do different things based upon how they're built and their natural history, but the, the principles of training are universal, especially when they're based upon positive reinforcement, because that allows us, of course, to build these great relationships with the animals in our care. Right. And in, in the trust role setting, we don't see how all the training goes on. So I think it's really cool how that happens. It is cool. And it's been fun in my career. Uh, you know, when I started, uh, zoos typically were managed by biologists and that's great. That's fine. I'm a biologist. That's my graduate work is in biology. But since I got started, more and more zoos have behaviorists, they have nutritionists, they have all sorts of multidisciplinary uh, professionals involved in the daily care and training of animals. Uh, and that has just enhanced animal welfare in zoos and aquariums really around the world. I agree. Uh, is there any favorite animals that you've worked with over your time? Well, I suspect like you, Joseph, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I, I, the simplest thing I can do is break it down by uh, type of species, I suppose. Uh, you know, favorite bird, a favorite macropod a favorite mammal. And even that's kind of hard to do, but, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed working with, uh, monitor lizards over the years. Uh, monitors are very cool animals. Uh, crocodilians in particular, I think are also incredibly intelligent animals. And we tend to, uh, underestimate what they, what they're capable of doing in, in terms of a learning environment. Uh, obviously birds of prey are great. I live in the desert Southwest and I've always had a a fondness for the Harris's hawk, uh, but a lot of birds of prey are just very cool animals. But I also manage a variety of other types of birds that, uh, you know, we had a, uh, uh, a Taraco that was in our training program that was just a beautiful bird, very shy, very elusive animal, but, but did great in our training program. Um, big fan of macropods. I've raised a lot of wallabies over the years and, and just a, a big fan of those, uh, those, those animals in particular, uh, obviously dolphins, killer whales, sea lions are all fantastic. And I know a lot of people out there want to work with species like that. And my best advice would be is to just be open, especially early in one's career as you're pursuing a paid position. Cause let's face it, we all need to make a living. You got to be open to whatever comes your way because that can lead to other things. And, uh, I've been surprised by how many species I never thought I'd work with or didn't necessarily have that much interest in, how fascinating, how much fun they brought to my life and my career. And uh, I learned so much, for example, working with sea lions, working with Shamu was awesome. It was great. It's a, it's something that is, uh, is not going to continue long into the future, apparently, but uh, I learned more about animal training from working with sea lions than probably working with killer whales. That's awesome to hear. And is there any other advice that you'd want to leave with viewers or? You know, I do. One of the things we do on my podcast, which is called Zoo Logic, is we like to highlight uh, interesting people doing interesting things. And one of the things that I have 
noticed in the last decade, especially, I think has been this push towards greater diversity among zoo professionals. Let's face it, a lot of zoo people that you might know nationally or internationally have tended to be white males like myself. And that's great. You know, some of them have done really amazing things on television, on film and, and in person, but we need greater diversity in our workforce. And one of the ways to achieve that, of course, is to celebrate people of color, uh, minorities doing zoo work um, in order for us to grow future generations of a diverse zoo workforce. Young people need to see themselves in those roles. And if all they see are old white guys like me doing it, well, that's not as encouraging and inviting as it might be if, if someone um, of color, for example, is doing those, those same things. And so I'm really excited about new organizations called AMZAP, A-M-Z-A-P. Uh, we featured them on, on Zoologic uh, last year. And it's just one example of people celebrating diversity within the workforce. And the benefit of that, I think, is... For young people in junior high and high school and community college and, and college in general, they're looking at that and they can see themselves in those roles because people are, are doing those jobs and there are efforts under, underway to, to celebrate that. And so I encourage anyone from whatever background you have to um, get involved, check out their website, check out their Facebook page. Even if you don't have a paid position in a zoo somewhere, uh, I think there's a mentorship role for organizations like AMZAP to kind of take people under the wing and, and show them the way and encourage them as we try to grow greater diversity in the workforce. I agree. Yeah, at the moment, um, I'm volunteering at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park and Nurtured by Nature. So I'm taking the steps to get to where I want to be. And I see myself working in the zoological field. That's great. And, and a lot of uh, successful trainers and keepers and aquarists and veterinarians and vet techs, you know, they all started as volunteers somewhere. Um, I did not, again, mine was a kind of an unusual pathway, but I do think um, there are a lot of volunteer opportunities out there. There are a lot of internships out there and increasingly some of those are being are paid positions, which is even better. And uh, the challenge for someone like yourself, Joseph, is when you finally land that first job, then it, then it lands on you and, and your, your, your peers to turn around and help the next generation up and to increase that diversity, like I said, because uh, if people don't see themselves or, or people that resemble them themselves in those roles, we're not going to get there. And so it's really important, I think, for us to to uh, to look to the next generation to, and to lend a helping hand wherever we can. Exactly. Well, thank you for being on this podcast, Gray, and taking time out of your day. My pleasure, Joseph. Good luck to you. Thank you. And I'll make sure I have my fans check out your podcast as well. I always appreciate a kind word. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Excellent interview. Gray and Joseph. Yes. Thank you, Joseph. Again, and again. again, if you guys have any questions or just want to uh, 
or just want to ask us any thing related to zookeeping or how to get into the zookeeping world, definitely ask us questions on our website or through our email. Our I'm going to say we have a website. Shoot. Yes, we still have a website. I still need to work on that. Anyway, there's a lot of things to work on in case y'all don't know. <laughs> but yes, message us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Check out our website, even though it's still needing work. But yes, uh, definitely message us and we'll help you out. We're all about helping each other on that road yeah. to zookeeping. Hey, buddy. And we thank you for joining us this evening and hope you guys join us for the next podcast to come and enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Oh, yes. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Everybody be safe and have a great time. We'll see you next time. See you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more tips and tricks on how to become zookeepers with Joseph and Sheldon. See you guys next time.